Hello, everybody. It's May 16th. This is the One Year Bible Tour Guide. My name is David McAdam, pastor and Bible teacher, and I'm happy to serve as your tour guide and to be reading the scriptures with you as we make our way through the Bible in a year. Although the Bible may appear as one book, it is actually a library of 66 different books. You will find as we read through all 66 books that the Bible is not self-contradictory, as some skeptics claim, but that it is a cohesive whole. It has a central theme of God's plan of salvation and is designed to give us wisdom in that regard. The obvious conclusions of the Bible are ones that the skeptic may not want to hear. The human race is far more fallen and depraved than one could imagine, and yet far more loved than one could ever dare hope. It is a revelation of the love of God, the Redeemer, who has been betrayed by His creation, and yet mercifully provides a means of rescue through the person and work of His Son, Jesus, Yeshua. Yeshua is the God-given name we know in English as Jesus and means the Lord is salvation, or God to the rescue. The other day in traffic, I was behind a car with a bumper sticker on it displaying the driver's love for their pet dog that was rescued and adopted. The sticker simply read, I love my rescue. Upon reading this, I could not help but apply this to the gift of salvation that I received when I believed the good news about the one true God so perfectly providing our rescue through sending His Son to be our sin-bearing substitute, living a sinless life on our behalf, and then offering it as an atoning sacrifice on the cross. I love my rescue, and I love my rescuer. We are in the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel today, and situations will be getting tense between King Saul, the present king, and the duly anointed yet not fully recognized king, David. We will see a developing prophetic picture as we contrast Saul with David. The contrast between Saul and David parallels the way of the unregenerate human nature in Adam and the nature of Christ, the anointed king. In the New Testament letter to the Corinthians, the Apostle Paul reminds believers that what was written in the Old Testament narratives concerning the children of Israel in the wilderness were examples for our instruction as members of the New Testament community of the redeemed. This applies also to the examples we will read about in the narratives concerning these two kings and the kings that follow. Now these things happened to them as an example, and they were written for our instruction, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11. So we want you to hang in there with us as we read through this Old Testament passage, and then we will follow it with a reading from the Gospel of John. Jesus makes it clear that the Old Testament prophecies focus ultimately on Him and the promised work that He would accomplish, and that by coming to Him and continuing to follow Him, we shall know the truth, and the truth will make us free. First, we go to the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel, Chapter 18, beginning with verse 5. And we're reading from the English Standard Version. And David went out and was successful wherever Saul sent him, so that Saul set him over the men of war. And this was good in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. As they were coming home, when David returned from striking down the Philistine, the women came out of all the cities of Israel, singing and dancing, to meet King Saul with tambourines with songs of joy, and with musical instruments. And the women sang to one another as they celebrated, Saul has struck down his thousands, and David his ten thousands. And Saul was very angry, and this saying displeased him. He said, 
They have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed thousands. And what more could he have but the kingdom? And Saul eyed David from that day on. The next day a harmful spirit from God rushed upon Saul, and he raved within his house while David was playing the lyre, as he did day by day. Saul had a spear in his hand, and Saul hurled the spear, for he thought, I will pin David to the wall. But David evaded him twice. Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him, but had departed from Saul. So Saul removed him from his presence and made him a commander of a thousand. And he went out and came in before the people. And David had success in all his undertakings, for the Lord was with him. And when Saul saw that he had great success, he stood in fearful awe of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David, for he went out and came in before them. Then Saul said to David, Here is my elder daughter Merib. I will give her to you for a wife. Only be valiant for me and fight the Lord's battles. For Saul thought, Let not my hand be against him, but let the hand of the Philistines be against him. And David said to Saul, Who am I, and who are my relatives, my father's clan in Israel, that I should be son-in-law to the king? But at the time when Merab, Saul's daughter, should have been given to David, she was given to Adriel, the Mahalathite, for a wife. Now Saul's daughter, Michal, loved David. And they told Saul, and the thing pleased him. Saul thought, Let me give her to him, that she may be a snare for him, and that the hand of the Philistines may be against him. Therefore Saul said to David a second time, You shall now be my son-in-law. And Saul commanded his servants, Speak to David in private, and say, Behold, the king has delight in you, and all his servants love you. Now then become the king's son-in-law. And Saul's servants spoke those words in the ears of David. And David said, Does it seem to you a little thing to become the king's son-in-law, since I am a poor man and have no reputation? And the servants of Saul told him, Thus and so did David speak. Then Saul said, Thus shall you say to David, The king desires no bride price except a hundred foreskins of the Philistines, that he may be avenged of the king's enemies. Now Saul thought to make David fall by the hand of the Philistines. And when his servants told David these words, it pleased David well to be the king's son-in-law. Before the time had expired, David arose and went, along with his men, and killed two hundred of the Philistines. And David brought their foreskins, which were given in full number to the king, that he might become the king's son-in-law. And Saul gave him his daughter Michal for a wife. But when Saul saw and knew that the Lord was with him, and that Michal, Saul's daughter, loved him, Saul was even more afraid of David. So Saul was David's enemy continually. Then the commanders of the Philistines came out to battle, and as often as they came out, David had more success than all the servants of Saul, so that his name was highly esteemed. Chapter 19 And Saul spoke to Jonathan his son, and to all his servants, that they should kill David. But Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted much in David. And Jonathan told David, Saul, my father, seeks to kill you. Therefore be on your guard in the morning. Stay in a secret place and hide yourself. And I will go out and stand beside my father in the field where you are, and I will speak to my father about you. And if I learn anything, I will tell you. And Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul his father and said to him, Let not the king sin against his servant David, because he has not sinned against you, and because his deeds have brought good to you. For he took his life in his hand, and he struck down the Philistine, 
and the Lord worked a great salvation for all Israel. You saw it and rejoiced. Why then will you sin against innocent blood by killing David without cause? And Saul listened to the voice of Jonathan. Saul swore, As the Lord lives, he shall not be put to death. And Jonathan called David, and Jonathan reported to him all these things. And Jonathan brought David to Saul, and he was in his presence as before. And there was war again. And David went out and fought with the Philistines and struck them with a great blow, so that they fled before him. Then a harmful spirit from the Lord came upon Saul as he sat in his house with his spear in his hand. And David was playing the lyre. And Saul sought to pin David to the wall with the spear, but he eluded Saul, so that he struck the spear into the wall. And David fled and escaped that night. Saul sent messengers to David's house to watch him, that he might kill him in the morning. But Michal, David's wife, told him, If you do not escape with your life tonight, tomorrow you will be killed. So Michal let David down through the window, and he fled away and escaped. Michal took an image and laid it on the bed and put a pillow of goat's hair at its head and covered it with the clothes. And when Saul sent messengers to take David, she said, He is sick. Then Saul sent the messengers to see David, saying, Bring him up to me in the bed, that I may kill him. And when the messengers came in, behold, the image was in the bed, with the pillow of goat's hair at its head. Saul said to Michal, Why have you deceived me thus, and let my enemy go, so that he has escaped? And Michal answered Saul, He said to me, Let me go, why should I kill you? Now David fled and escaped, and he came to Samuel at Ramah, and told him all that Saul had done to him. And he and Samuel went and lived at Nioth. And it was told Saul, Behold, David is at Nioth in Ramah. Then Saul sent messengers to take David, and when they saw the company of the prophets prophesying, and Samuel standing as head over them, the Spirit of God came upon the messengers of Saul, and they also prophesied. When it was told Saul, he sent other messengers, and they also prophesied. And Saul sent messengers again the third time, and they also prophesied. Then he himself went to Ramah, and came to the great well that is in Seku. And he asked, Where are Samuel and David? And one said, Behold, they are at Nioth in Ramah. And he went there to Nioth in Ramah. And the Spirit of God came upon him also. And as he went, he prophesied until he came to Nioth in Ramah. And he too stripped off his clothes, and he too prophesied before Samuel, and lay naked all that day and all that night. Thus it is said, Is Saul also among the prophets? This is the end of our reading from the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel. Now let's take a few moments to reflect upon what we have just read. The contrast between the characters of Saul and David reflects the contrast between the ways of the flesh, that is the unregenerate self-life, and the spirit. For the flesh sets its desire against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another. Saul is jealous as he sees signs of God's favor distinctively upon David. He is like Cain, who resented that his brother Abel had God's favor. We know that Abel had the witness that he was in a right relationship with God, since he had confidence in God's plan of redemption rather than any of his own. Cain rose up to kill Abel. Saul has murderous intentions to do away with David. When a mental attitude sin is repeated until it becomes ingrained in one's character, it becomes a personality trait. A repeated mental attitude sin becomes a habit, 
and then is spiritually reinforced. They may become mean-spirited or known as having a negative spirit, a critical spirit, or a jealous spirit. Saul's jealousy gives us an example. God does not directly inflict people with evil, but for His purposes He can permissibly give people up to the evil spirit that they are already submitting to. In Romans chapter 1, verse 24. Now it came about on the next day that an evil spirit from God came mightily upon Saul, and he raved in the midst of the house while David was playing the harp with his hand, as usual, and a spear was in Saul's hand. Samuel chapter 18, verse 10. The jealousy turns into fear, then anger, and then a murderous spirit. In verse 11, Saul attempts to kill David. He uses his spear twice in verse 11, attempts to have him killed in battle in verse 17 to ensnare him through his daughters, and orders his men and his son, Jonathan, to kill him in chapter 9, verse 1. Saul hurls a spear the third time in chapter 19, verse 10. G. Campbell Morgan provides helpful insight. Quote, the tendency of modern thinking to deny the actuality of the influence of spirits on human life is entirely out of harmony with the Scripture's teaching. Therein the fact is always recognized. Two things, however, are illustrated in this story, and the whole biblical revelation corroborate them. The first is that the spirits that have access to the soul of man are all evil. They are spirits of lawlessness. There is but one spirit who brings to the soul the influences of purity and wisdom and strength, and that is the Spirit of God. The second fact is that these evil spirits are also under the control of God. They are permitted to act but only within his government. Satan must seek permission to tempt Job. He must obtain the apostles by asking if he would sift them as wheat. The messenger of Satan may buffet, but only within the limitations fixed by God. Finally, no created being, whether angelic or human, escapes the government of God. End quote. Another example of God's supreme authority over evil spirits and his use of them for his purposes is found in 1 Kings chapter 22 and 2 Chronicles chapter 18, when the Lord conscripts a lying spirit to give the evil King Ahab false confidence, enticing him into a battle which, as a means of judgment, would ultimately bring him to his death. Ahab had already proved himself as one given over to the counsel of deceiving spirits. Now back to our story. Saul's plans to kill David backfire. Those to whom he gives orders betray him. Jonathan seeks to be a mediator and pleads David's case before Saul. His daughter helps him to escape. His troops come under the influence of the Spirit of the Lord when they catch up with him at Nioth near Ramah, where David is living with Samuel, the head of the prophets. They begin to prophesy, recognizing God's anointing is on David. They speak words of praise and prayers to God and words of exhortation and rebuke to each other. Saul himself is subdued and humiliated by the Spirit, when he is on his way to apprehend David. In chapter 19, verse 24. Now we turn to the New Testament reading, the Gospel of John, chapter 8, beginning with verse 31 through to verse 59. The truth will set you free. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, 
Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. And they answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, If you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works your father did. They said to him, We were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God, and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but He sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, and does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies." But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. The Jews answered him, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my Father and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The Jews said to him, Now we know you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets. Yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died? And the prophets died. Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say, He is our God. But you have not known Him. I know Him. If I were to say that I do not know Him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know Him, and I keep His word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old. And have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, Before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. And this is the end of our reading from the New Testament, The Gospel According to John. The depth of self-deception among the religious leaders Is clearly seen when they say, We are descendants of Abraham, we have never been slaves to anyone. John chapter 8, verse 33. They have forgotten their slavery in Egypt, more importantly, their slavery to sin. Jesus tells them the truth that will make them free, but they prefer to live in lies. The truth is that they are more akin to the devil, the father of lies, than Abraham, the father of their faith. The truth is that they need to repent, believe the promise of Abraham, and receive Jesus as the true Savior that He is, 
Only the truth about God's gracious provision of salvation through faith in Christ can liberate them from sin and death. This passage gives us insight into the character of Satan, the devil. Satan means adversary. He stands against the purposes of God. The word devil is related to slander. He accuses the believer. He loves evil. He was and is a murderer, hates the truth, loves lies, and speaks lies. Notice that the religious leaders reply with bigotry and prejudice. Not only do they accuse Jesus of being a devil, but add a derogatory ethnic slur calling him a Samaritan. Jesus' parable of a certain Samaritan addresses their prejudice in Luke chapter 10, verse 33. Jesus also teaches that self-glory counts for nothing. Jesus also claims equality with God and pre-existence as the Son of God. The Pharisees charge him with blasphemy. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. Therefore they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Once again, Jesus claims the name of God as his own, thereby disclosing his deity. God revealed his name to Moses in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14. He is the self-existent and eternal God. I am that I am. God is the great I am. Jesus says before Abraham was, I am. He does not say I was. He claims his eternal preexistence as the ever and always. Now let's go to the Bible songbook, the book of Psalms. Today we're reading Psalm 112. The righteous will never be moved. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. His offspring will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Light dawns in the darkness for the upright. He is gracious, merciful, and righteous. It is well with the man who deals generously and lends, who conducts his affairs with justice, for the righteous will never be moved. He will be remembered forever. He is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. His heart is steady. He will not be afraid until he looks in triumph on his adversaries. He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn is exalted in honor. The wicked man sees it and is angry. He gnashes his teeth and melts away. The desire of the wicked will perish. Here is a psalm of spiritual prosperity. Those who fear and delight in the Lord are ultimately successful, blessed, wealthy, with enduring eternal works. In verse 3 and verse 9, enlightened, generous, compassionate, righteous, not overcome by evil, long-remembered, confident, fearless, and face their foes triumphantly. They have influence and honor. Eternity will reveal this to be true. In contrast, the wicked will see it and be vexed. He will gnash his teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked will perish. In Psalm 112, verse 10, What kind of person are you? In the end, it will be clear in whom you were placing your trust. He will not fear evil tidings. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. May that be said of us. Psalm 112, verse 7. Now let's go to today's reading from the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 15, verses 12 through 14. A scoffer does not like to be reproved. He will not go to the wise. A glad heart makes a cheerful face, but by sorrow of heart 
the spirit is crushed. The heart of him who has understanding seeks knowledge, but the mouths of fools feed on folly. Those who mock are foolishly resistant to those who would offer correction. They prefer to scoff at others rather than seek to understand them. They are impervious to counsel and don't seek it. We see how our mental attitudes affect our feelings and our feelings affect our bodies and our countenance. We also know that sorrow of soul can break our fellowship with spiritual realities. Those who are intelligent seek to learn. They will be able to speak knowledgeably. Those who are sloppy thinkers, who fail to focus on facts, will speak foolishly. Let's pray together. Lord, give us a steadfast heart. May we not be intimidated or distracted by the taunts of our enemies. May we not give in to mental attitude sins or deceiving spirits. It is our joy to rest in the righteousness of our Lord and Savior, His perfect work of redemption. It is our privilege to take the whole armor of God and to stand in Christ's victory. What a friend we have in Jesus. Help us to be good friends to our brothers and sisters in Christ. Give us a heart of compassion, which is so evident in Jesus, the friend of sinners. We pray for our brothers and sisters where there is so much persecution in the world. Strengthen them, protect them, and give them wisdom and boldness to win the lost. We pray that we who are blessed with so much will be faithful, wise, and bold in our witness to the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that we will not hoard our blessings to ourselves. We ask that we would be continually filled with the Holy Spirit and go into all the world to make disciples. In Jesus' name, Amen. I want to thank you for being a part of this Bible reading community, and I trust that as we are filled with the Word and with the Spirit, that we will be making a difference today where we are living. I know that I am so grateful to have the Bible as the Word of God. And as Jesus said, if we continue in His Word, we will know the truth, and the truth will make us free. The Gospel is a message of liberation. May we have the wisdom and boldness to declare it. If you have any comments or questions about our daily readings, you can contact us by writing podcast at newlife.org. You can also subscribe to our daily email with the written commentary on our daily reading by going to our website, newlife.org. And there you will find more information about New Life Community Church in Concord, Massachusetts, and also our various ministries. Again, we want to remind you that registration is now open for young people from 8 to the age of 18 for the New Life Fine Arts Musical Theater Summer Camp. And so until we are together again, God willing, tomorrow, may you go in the peace of our great Shalom, the one true God, the ever and always, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.